A long metal arm reached out, touched the front panel of the black box, and identified the box as a safe. One of the mechanical hands, two fingers pressed against the surface near the dial, and read the safe's combination. The two fingers locked themselves into the form of a gripper, turned the dial to the right numbers, and swung the safe door open. So far, so good. The hand reached into the safe and set about the business of identifying the first of three objects that had been placed there. On a computer screen thirty feet away, a thermal image began to build up of a block of wood with a number of nails driven in, flush with the surface. The robot's memory came up with the words to make the identification complete. The second item took a little longer, but the robot was able to record the presence of a batch of papers held together by two paper clips, one made of plastic and the other of metal. The manipulating fingers even counted the pages. It was the third object that caused trouble. It was an ordinary stoppered test tube. The sensors were able to differentiate between the glass tube and the rubber stopper, but couldn't recognize that particular combination of materials and shapes. The robot had been programmed to bring back any object it couldn't identify. So the gripper fingers picked up the test tube and promptly crushed it. The two human beings in the room looked at each other and sighed. See what it does next, the woman said. The robot ran through its program options and chose one. A panel opened in the machine's squat body, and a second arm appeared, one that was limited to self-maintenance work. It disconnected the gripper that had crushed the test tube and attached a much smaller one, one designed for work more delicate than swinging open safe doors. A little late for that, the man growled. Why didn't the sensors tell it a smaller gripper was called for? Dunno, they should have. Almost daintily, the small gripper picked up the largest glass fragments and deposited them in a carry box positioned where the robot's head would have been if it had had one. Bearing its prize of broken glass, the machine rolled back to where the man and woman sat at the control board. Gail Fredericks typed in a test command on the keyboard. It looked to me as if it simply overestimated the distance between its fingers and the test tube. No, that's not it. The ultrasonic proximity sensor system checks out. The infrared sensors and the fingertips are okay. The gripper just squeezed too hard. Check the force transducers. She did. They're all right, too, but... Test tube isn't in the robot's vocabulary. That shouldn't make any difference, whether it knows what a test tube is or not. It should have been able to determine it was a container of some sort. A container made of glass plus a rubber plug. That's the conclusion it should have come to. Well, it's a software problem, Gail said. Don't scowl so, King. Your sensors did their job. Maybe. If the robot had been given eyes, it would have recognized the test tube immediately. Tactile sensors, however, still had a way to go.
King unfolded his bony frame from the chair on which he'd been slouching. When he stood up straight, which he never did, he was close to seven feet tall. Every new person he met asked if he played basketball. We did test the mechanical parts, didn't we? He stepped over to the robot and began moving the arm up and down, back and forth. About an hour ago, Gail smiled. She repeated that it had to be a software problem and started speculating as to what might have gone wrong. Only half listening, King examined the wrist connections of the robot's arm. He could see nothing wrong. Maybe the shoulder. He tried swinging the arm in an arc, 